Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Very, very special, and I, I say this for a lot of episodes, but this one I really mean it, uh, since I'm dressed up in my full dinner jacket. Uh, very, very special episode of the Brit Rest Roundtable. It's our annual Britties, and uh, yet again it has taken till February for us to actually get around to our 2018 <laughs> awards, but we've gotten around to them nonetheless, and that's what matters. That's what matters. We, we are the fucking worst, Rob, we really are. Look, we... We need to be extensive, and we need time to, to manage to finish to watch everything. It's, you know, we can blame it partially on uh, certain promotions taking a while to put stuff out and completely ignore the fact that really it's just we, scheduling was a bit of a problem. But, you know, we, we got around to it eventually. That's that's what matters. As you have just heard, I am joined by Arnold Furious, as almost always. Yay! Hi! How's everyone doing? Pretty good, pretty good. It's you've actually missed a few episodes. It's it's been weird. Uh, uh, yeah, I've been having uh, legal issues, which I won't go into here. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> weird priorities. How how dare you prioritize that over uh, over wrestling podcasts? You've also been going to shows to avoid doing <laughs> doing this. It's 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 really a problem. We're, we're gonna have to. I think uh, avoid is a strong word. But... That that's true. That's true. Um. Speaking of someone who is actually avoiding shows, um, that's that's Ollie. Unfortunately, he's not here because he's having a, a crisis of wrestling confidence, which I think most people go through at some point. Um, so he's he's taking a little break. He's uh, refinding his smile. He's lost his smile, bless him. Oh, but, tell me a lie and say that you won't go. Sure, that that's a reference I don't get, but you know we'll, we'll go with it. We'll it's the Shawn it. Michaels one. <laughs> God I damn it, Rob. I wasn't on the video package. Come on, Rob. <laughs> I was born in 1997, so I guess I probably was born. But yeah, um, yeah. But as you have also just heard, uh, we have drafted in uh, our strong replacements, people you will be somewhat familiar with if you've been following us regularly over over Ollie's hiatus. We're joined by representing Ireland, Lee Malone. Hello, everyone. Glad to be back on the show again. Glad to have you. And representing, although not being from Scotland, um, the you know suffering the the sins of ICW regularly for all of us. Uh, it's Andrew Sinclair. Hello. Sorry, that wasn't meant to sound so dejected. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I can't tell if that was because of uh, being reminded of ICW or just because your 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 drink's been stolen. Oh, it's definitely the drink element. It's. Uh, uh... He, he he wasn't happy pre-call. He wasn't happy pre-call. But 
there are plenty of reasons to be happy because 2018 was a great year for European wrestling. How is that for a segue? Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no need to clap, which I've probably put in the background there. Well, maybe not. Making more work for myself. But, Britties, 2018. Let's do this. We'll get straight to it. We've got lots of categories. We're basically doing the same format as last year, although it'll be slightly tricky and probably a bit more debate because we now have four people on the call. Um, so we're, there's going to be more bargaining needed because we don't necessarily have a, a direct tiebreaker. But I, have... I did say this is going to be a problem. I don't think we're, it's a problem. Blatantly, it's going, it's to, be going to be a two-on-two standoff on every category, and we're going to start shouting at each other. I'm going to get sleepy and angry. It, it, it's not going to be a standoff <laughs> if you all just agree with me. It, it, it'll be fine. See, I think this is what's going to make it more exciting, but uh, it, it may involve us is falling this, out. Is but... this the Lee Malone round table? <laughs> it's already started. It's already started. I'm happy to take um, the ICW role and just roll over into the background, if that helps. <laughs> so the categories we're going to be deciding today are Best Import of the Year, Best Character of the Year, Best Women's Wrestler of the Year, Best Feud of the Year, Best Show of the Year, Best Tag Team of the Year, and the Breakout Performer of the Year. Now, above that, we're going to be making a top three, and it's going to be a consensus top three, so with four people, that's going to be real fun to put together. Uh, for Promotion of the Year, Best in Europe, and European Wrestler of the Year, we'll explain the distinction to that closer to the time. And then finally, we're going to be putting together a top five? Yes, top five for Match of the Year, which uh, could be could be a feisty one, particularly as it will be at the end and Arn will be tired and grumpy. And I'll be mad as hell by the end of that and I'll refuse to move. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's something to stick around for. <laughs> um, let's get right to it. Um, import of the year. I think this is a two horse race. Um, I'll be, be interested if anyone else has anyone to add. But for me, the two obvious candidates are David Starr and Timothy Thatcher. Did what are your thoughts on that, guys? Uh, well, I have a very strong thought immediately, and that's that both of them aren't actually imports because they live here. Uh, I mean, they're not eligible for European Wrestler of the Year, so I feel they should count. Mm. Well, well, I think Star, didn't he only just move to the UK at the end of 2018? That's a good point. That's a good point. And Thatcher didn't live here all of 2018. He, he had the, the big goodbye that, you know, was somewhat brief, admittedly, but... Yeah, he basically lived, like, half of the year in uh, in Essen, which, which isn't is really... real commitment to the importing. <laughs> I, I, I kind of see him as European at this point. I know he's kind of not, but he has got a Portuguese passport, so if you wanted to vote for him for European Wrestler of the Year, I probably wouldn't argue with it. I think you have a stronger case for, for David Starr, who is, uh, is basically American and kind of just comes over for a lot of the time. But yeah, I didn't actually think of either of those two when I was making my list because I just kind of think of them as, as Europeans. Well, well as Star, Star is my choice. I don't think there's any other choice, really. I wrote Star down and then, then was watching a ring camp match and sort of remembered that I'd forgotten Timothy Thatcher. So I would go with Star as well. <laughs> that was a bait and switch. I really thought you were going to say, and that made me go for Thatcher. But no, no, no <laughs> sticking with Star. Um, I'm leaning towards Star as well. 
Um, so it sounds like straight away we have a consensus. That was that was very quick. Um, I made a load of list of like Ishii matches and Suzuki matches and like what Mako Satomura had done in Fight Club Pro and Femme Fatales and Eve and all this business. And yeah, I'm not even <laughs> getting a chance to do it. I, Ishii was probably my third. Um, him or or Maiko. Um, I think we, we, as as you've said, we're almost spoiled because two fantastic imports pretty much live here more of the time than they don't last year. Um, but I think you know if David Starr counts, which I think he should, then I, I don't see anyone else. Who can yeah. has a it, it is just literally that he's he's been here so much that I don't even think of him as an import now. I mm-hmm. just think of him as as a European, but I, I guess he isn't. So yeah, <laughs> you can have that. Well, there we go. There we go. That that was relatively argument free. That's a, an interesting start. Let's see if it lasts. Um, moving on to character of the year. This is one I'm sure there'll be a lot more debate over since it's you know there's there's far more more people up for it and and far more room for interpretation um to kind of elaborate somewhat on the category um it's someone who encapsulates everything uh, this is an award that encapsulates everything other than ring work so your promos your look your general aura all your character work stuff basically um now last year um we gave this to Ilya, uh, even though his his promos maybe aren't as crazy standout as anything else, I think his his aura last year was just so special it was almost undeniable. Although I think, if I'm remembering correctly, Gibson ran him fairly close. Um, who are you guys thinking for this one? I have I have a very very strong take for this, mm-hmm. uh, which is absolute Andy. Yeah, he was mine as well. I I just feel like his his in ring has not been like sensational or anything, but he has really carried uh, a lot of the WXW storylines this year. And mm-hmm. it's, it's all come from the character and the way that he's taken on this, this veteran uh, persona. It's, it's something that I just, I just didn't see coming. Like uh, what well, last year he was, he was in a tag team and they were a good tag team. But like, if you'd have turned around to me and said, oh, next year, Absolute Andy is going to be like the man for WXW for virtually the entire year, I'd have just looked at you funny because it just, it just doesn't make sense in my head. But like his promos have been just exceptional and the character that he's developed is kind of a, a cross between like the, the evil, um, elder statesman of European wrestling. And your dad. And he's just kind of, he's managed to kind of combine the slightly comedic vibe that you get from him with a more sinister approach to wrestling. And his promos have just absolutely killed it. So, yeah, absolutely Andy for me. And I think they've done a really good job with him of so often when you have a character turn heel after they've been a face for a long time, it's almost like a completely different character. There's no like connection there. There's no through line you can really look to. Whereas with Absolute Andy, it feels like a consistent character. It's just a, he's showing off different traits of that same character. It's it's not he's just gone, well, I'm on the different side of the divide now, so time for me to basically be a different person. Um, and I think that, that deserves marks too. Um, the two other people I had that I thought were at least worth consideration, but as I said, Andy was my guy as well. Uh, Zach Gibson, he's kind of perennially up there for this one. 
simply because his promos are so magnificent. Um, I thought his work in OTT, especially at the beginning of the year, was uh, with the Rapture, was was pretty magical. Um, he really brought me, me and Lee talked about this quite a lot um, on the OTT year and review episode. But he really brought a an old school kind of territory invader vibe to that whole feud that they had with Kings of the North, and I don't think that feud works without Gibson. Um, he made me care about James Drake for most of the year, which is impressive. Definitely. Um, and, and generally, like, you know, as great as Andy is, if I'm if I'm asked who's the best promo, it's it's probably still Gibson. Right. Um, the other guy I wanted to, to bring up, uh, and I, you know, I do think he's behind the other two, um, but that's David Starr. Um, I think he's showcased quite a good variety of, of roles where he can really um, shine character wise. Uh, in Rev Pro, he's he's done a really good job as uh, in the heel role. Whereas over in WXW, with that whole feud, feud with Yearn, I thought he was consistently good, really really good, um, making me care about that whole feud from from the face side, being sympathetic. Um, OTT, he you know he executed a a, a wonderful um, a wonderful heel turn over there did a really good job and generally he's a guy who I consistently cared about throughout the whole year wherever he's been in a whole variety of roles so I thought he deserved a shout out uh, Andrew Lee do you have anyone you want to put I'm, forth I'm with you on absolute Andy I thought he was incredible he combined as Arn said like being your old da but also that promo before World Tag League was absolutely brilliant Oh, the I know where the stones yeah, was, are. That, that was one. just masterful. Oh yeah, and he—I know he wasn't in the match, but like that was just incredible. Um, but the other person I wanted to talk about was Eddie Dennis because obviously where he was injured and they had to build to that Mark Andrews match, he had to do an awful lot of it on just character, and I thought he got it over quite well. So I liked Eddie Dennis. Uh, the two I have written down actually are Gibson and Starr for their OTT work. Um, not to parrot what uh, Rob just said, but Gibson in the first half of the year was um, that, like he, like he said, the territory invader who came in and basically just destroyed anybody on the roster, any Irish people on the roster. And his promos, I've been there live, like I'd never experienced heel heat like Zach Gibson was capable of getting out of the Irish crowd. Um, and then the second half of the year, obviously, was Star being linked in with the. Devlin and Walter Field, and I just thought he was magnificent in every role he played throughout the story. Um, but those are the two. But I mean, I'm not going to fight you on Andy. I think he's pretty much the the winner here. There's a there's a distinct lack of argument so far that is uh, <laughs> is wonderful. Um, but but it does sound like Andy Andy is the guy we're giving it to. But you know, in a year where there's really been a lot of strong candidates. Um, Probably more so than the most recent years, actually. I think that's something that, that's that been really noticeable in the, the last couple years of, of BritRest. At first, it was kind of, especially with like RevPro at the forefront, and they, they've kind of cha- changed and evolved over, over time to become more of a storyline-heavy promotion. But in the last few years, you've really seen a lot of character work and a lot of promo work be a far more important part of European wrestling, whereas... You know, when it was first coming back to prominence, it was mostly an in-ring thing. Um, so it's, a, it's been an interesting thing to, to chart over the years. Um, next up, we've got Women's Wrestler of the Year. 
this one was previously won last year by Nixon Newell. Um, it's been kind of sad to see. Oh no, sorry, last year by Tony Storm and the year prior by uh, Nixon Newell, and it's kind of been been sad to see how uh, Nixon's career has kind of gone since then. But hopefully, 2019 will be a year where it kind of gets back on track somewhat. Um, now, last year we did actually have someone point out, and I'm sorry, I forget their name, with it being uh, a year on, but they, they they basically brought the point of. It's wrong for you to have a women's wrestler of the year and not have a men's wrestler of the year. And, you know, to some degree, I understand that point. Yeah, so I understand the point, And to some degree, it, I agree to it to a level um, with our European wrestler of the year and best in Europe award. They're both mixed. If, if a woman does have a good enough year, I'm, I would be very happy to put, put uh, her forward for, for one of those. But the reality we live in at the moment is, I don't know about you guys, but personally, I don't think any of them would currently make it into the top three. Um, am, I, am I alone in thinking that? Nope. No. No, that's spot on. And, and it would be great if in a few years we can say that, and at that point, we'll probably do away with the Women's Wrestler of the Year award, because there won't be any need for it. But we just wanted a, a way to um, acknowledge how how great a lot of the women's wrestlers have been, because otherwise they might not get a huge amount of play in these awards. And, you know, they really should, I guess. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're open to, to hearing feedback for, for that kind of kind of thing. If you if you have a different perspective on that, then, um, you know, let us know. Um, so I actually found this year really tricky, not because women's wrestling has been bad this year, but because I didn't think there was one standout candidate. I thought there was... A whole range of women who've been good, but none that have kind of head and shoulders above the rest. So I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say. This might be the only one I have a fiercely hot, passionate take about. Well, it's not hot Ooh. take, but it's like a fairly tepid take, but I'm actually passionate. So I would say Kaylee Ray, and this might be a bias of the fact I've seen a lot more of her than most other women because of ICW. Um, but I enjoyed the intergender style she did in ICW. I thought her match with Viper, Fear and Loathing, was the best match in ICW all year. Um, I really, really enjoyed her match with Mako Satomura at Wrestle Queendom for Eve. And I think she was the best woman on uh, World of Sport. So for me, it was between her and Tony Storm. But I felt Storm did her better work outside of the UK and Europe. So I would go Kaylee Ray. Um, I yeah, I found this one difficult. I in OTT, it, the, women don't always get a fair shake. I know they had two all women shows this year, which was brilliant to see. Um, but again, it they're not on every show all the time. So um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go for Raven Creed, and that's just because I've seen more of her this year than pretty much anyone else. Um, the night she won the title at the Defiance too. Sadly, I wasn't there, but. Watching it on VOD, the uh, the pop that her wing got was something else. And yeah, I mean, just it's just because I've seen more of her than anyone else that I'm going to put forward Raven Creed. Um, I, I had a couple of ideas. Uh, I think Jamie Hayter is, is quite underrated. Um, she won, she won uh, for Eve this year and she was Red Pro champ for about six months. I don't know if anyone noticed. <laughs> uh, they they have a trouble um, 
establishing a women's division in, in Rev Pro, and I, I don't know what the reasoning for that is. Maybe they've just struggled to get people in. Uh, obviously, <laughs> people Ginny signed. Yeah, well, Ginny was their champion. She got signed, uh, but she was also injured. Like Ginny, I think is somebody who, if she'd have been fit, um, would be in the discussion. But she's had too many injuries, and the WWE contract has has caused her to miss shows that she would have been on. Um, I think Kaylee Ray's a good shout. Uh, she's not had the best year of her career, uh, but like uh, Andrew said, she had that great match at Fear and Loathing, easily the best match on that show. Uh, Viper, I think, is a reasonable shout. But uh, like all of, one thing all of these women have got in common, and Tony Storm, is that I think they've probably been showcased just as well, if not better, outside of our... like. Um, UK scene, um, so yeah, it is kind of tough for a pick. I, if I had, if I had to choose, I'd probably go with Tony Storm. Yeah, Tony's a weird one because you know she's undeniably an excellent wrestler, but I would agree with Andrew in saying that she's done a lot of her best work outside of the UK this year. She's done you know some good stuff in the May Young Classic over in um, the states. Uh, she's done a lot of good stuff in Japan. But even when you take that away from her resume, it still kind of stands up alongside a lot of these other women. Um, I'm not entirely sure how we've actually classified this char- uh, this category, but um, the the work Mako Setamura's done. Um, oh yeah, we said work in Europe ahead of um, ahead of best European woman. So Mako Setamura probably deserves at least consideration. Uh, she's had a lot of these women that we brought up best matches. Yeah, um, yeah. she's done great stuff in WXW um, great might be a slight exaggeration but she she was very good over World Tag League uh, she's been a consistent part of Fight Club Pro Where, uh, Pro Wrestling Eve she's been a big part of a lot of their better stuff so you know she's worth a shout well, at I, least I didn't see the match she had with Tony and Eve but I'm told it was exceptional and the match she had with Kaylee Ray at, uh, at Wrestle Queendom was, was top tier so yeah um has she had enough matches, really, in Europe to be considered for that spot? I, I don't know. Um, how much she she done in Fight Club? Let's let's look. Uh, I think something like eight or nine matches. She also had that um, six-person tag in OTT as well with the Rascals, which was great. Oh, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, she's probably got a deeper resume than than you th- first think. She's actually spent a lot of the um, a lot of twenty eighteen over here. Um, I think I would probably be between her and Kaylee Ray. Um, where would you guys sit on that that fork? It's tough because I think that Satomura's matches consistently have been better, but obviously Kaylee Ray has been involved in promotions where she's got to do a lot more of the other side of it, like the the character, so on. And in ICW, she was really compelling in that she was made to have this match with Viper, and then just like was brilliant against her and. She just instantly felt the most compelling woman in that promotion, and I think they've probably well, they haven't really got a very good women's division. It's usually her, Viper, and Casey Owens, but she was very good. She hasn't really. She only had like eight matches in ICW this year, uh, last year, should I say? Yeah, well, they ran so few shows um, that <sighs> that she just wrestled less, and a lot of it was she was with her husband for a period of time as well, which is where the whole her Viper thing kicked off again. Because DCT's Viper's husband and Stevie Boy's her husband, and 
whatever. But yes, I thought Kayla Ray was probably better, so I'd lean to her out of her and Satamura. But I also think Lee's shot of Raven Creed as well. I thought she was great, especially considering how young in her career she is. Yeah, I think her crowd crea- uh, connection so early into her career is extremely impressive. But I think this year might be a little, like, maybe one too early. I think she'll be a real contender next year. Um, but just because, especially in the early part of the year, the women's division in OTT wasn't a big thing. I don't think she's quite got enough of a resume there. Um, looking at Satamura, I think I counted in total 15 no, 16 matches she had in, in Europe this year, uh, last year. So that's, you know, it's it's a reasonable amount, definitely. I, I think she's, th- there's enough there. It's whether you, you prefer Kaylee Ray, who obviously has more depth, but probably a, li- a little weaker in the peak. Uh, I'd probably give the vote to Kaylee. It's not to, you know, dismiss what Miko did in Europe, but I'd, and listen to Andrew's argument for her. I think that's a fair one. I I think Katie probably deserves it. Cool. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to lean towards Mako after after Robert kind of talked me into it there. And... <laughs> <laughs> well, I I'm I'm happy I, I've to seen far far more free, free vote. I've seen far more of Mako Satamura, so that's kind of why I would I would go for that. Um, the only times i've seen kaylee ray has either been in eve or i've seen her uh at fear and loathing so i would have to take somebody's word for it that she was good for an extended period of time yeah that's uh, that's fair i haven't seen a huge amount of her but what i have seen has been good whereas i've seen i've seen definitely seen a greater percentage of satamura's work um but it again that's all been good um but i i'm happy to to lean to to andrew um since you know he's he's seen more kaylee ray and he says it's been very good so scotland um... <laughs> <laughs> it's the only time we're gonna win anything so i might as well cheer scotland <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a good point. Uh, ICW is probably not going to get the most representation. They're not going to win anything here, else, are so they? No. Let's be nice to them and uh, actually fine. Give, <laughs> give um, a, a Scottish wrestler um, a, a European award ahead of giving a Japanese wrestler a European award. Um, that that sounded very Brexit, but you know, um, <laughs> independence. <laughs> yeah, well, so, soon we'll have to to be be clarifying our title. Um, European, the continent, because unfortunately, let's not get into that. Um, (laughs) So, feud of the year. Uh, Last year, we gave it to uh, David Starr versus Volta, which, you know, in in a way, we could almost give it to again this year, although I I don't think there's quite been enough focus there, although it it feels like there's a chance that could be feud of the year again in 2019, because it's still bubbling under the surface. Um, and then the year before that, we gave it to Marty Skrull versus Will Ospreay. Um, uh, I've got a, I've got a few to, to throw out there, um, but I think the the clear one, uh, you know, a, a few to throw out there. I really enjoyed the whole um, Suzuki Gun versus Aussie Open build uh, and their eventual um, conclusion, although that's probably a little bit too one-sided for it to be a, a feud in full. It kind of felt more like a build to the title than a, necessarily a full feud. But I, I did enjoy it a lot. Um, I 
I'm very invested immediately in um, David Starr and Jordan Devlin, but that's kind of more 2019, even though it started in 2018. Um, I really enjoyed The Rapture versus The Kings of the North earlier in the year in OTT, but I think the clear candidate, uh, and what I've got written down here, is Volta slash Ringkampf versus Devlin slash The Country of Ireland. Um, I think that's that that's a pretty clear number one for me. I don't know about you guys. There's only other one other feud that I think deserves a mention. That's the Eddie Dennis Mark Andrews feud, which had the unfortunate um, downside of culminating in a really really bad match at Wembley. Um, all the build was great, but the the match wasn't. So I, if if they'd have killed it in that match at Wembley, then yeah, we'd we'd be possibly talking about it, but. Yeah, I, I feel strong. It's Devlin Walter, and it's probably, for me, it's not even close to a- anything else in Europe this year. I think it's possibly one of the best independent wrestling stories told, and that's probably a big, a bold statement, but one I'll stand by. It's that video, the uh, the Mike Tyson video. Mm-hmm. That's one of the, the, the greatest pieces of uh, video I've ever seen put together by any promotion, let alone an independent promotion. Um, but the whole the whole story from beginning right through to now is just it's it's like you can't miss it. You have to watch every little thing. Um, even on the there was a show last last night in Belfast. Um, there was a little wrinkle that I think is going to play into the story long term as well. Um, so every every little thing that Walter is doing in OTT is building back to the next Jordan Devlin match, and it's it's just brilliant. It it's. I've not, unlike anything I've ever been able to witness. I can't believe none of you have said Jackie Polo Lionheart. Can't you? Can't you? Are you sure you can't believe that, Andrew? <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, I, I couldn't concur more. I thought the Devlin Walter stuff was probably the most compelling stuff I'd saw kind of really anywhere all year, to be honest. I thought the, the video packages were exceptional. I thought Angus McAnally on commentary just took it to another level. And it, it helped that the match was one of my absolute favourite matches of the year. So, yeah, I Walter Devlin and the whole star, Thatcher, everything. Everything about that was just bloody brilliant. So, yeah, <laughs> that one. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm not going to show out Ireland because I fully expect we're going to win more awards anyway. So, oh. <laughs> I feel that was a personal attack and I feel offended. <laughs> they, they've had a good year. They've had a good year for sure. Um, but not in the rugby. Um, Wee! Oh. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, let's, let's, there's me pretending I, I care about rugby <laughs> because we've done well. I, only Tories care about rugby. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't. Thankfully, <laughs> I don't. So I escaped that one. Um, yes, congratulations to to that one. And it's it's impressive how 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 much we love it and it's not even finished yet it's like we've got half that feud and it's so clearly number one already that it's it's uh they've really done some magnificent stuff there and we we could continue talking about that one for ages but me and lee covered that one for roughly an hour on uh, the ott year in review one so if you want to hear more about that feud you can go back to that one i would just say Um, though that like that i think a massive part of people getting engaged with that was the fact the match was on youtube and all the the pre-packaged stuff was on there as well so it was accessible for everyone and it was very easy to just kind of get involved if you didn't already subscribe to OTT On Demand. 
which I think a lot of feuds you feel that you have to be a big part of, like following WXW now and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it was one of those things that all you had to do, the video package was that good that you watch the video package and you're all the way brought in straight away. Um, and then, you know, if you go into more detail, it, it it holds up. It's just as good the more you watch around it. But, you know, straight away, you can get what it, it was. Because, you know, at, it, at its core, it was very simple. It was a champion who hadn't been beaten for a hell of a long time, representing his home co- promotion in his home country going up against uh, an invading monster and you know it's a, it's a simple story but they executed it to absolute perfection um moving on show of the year um this is one that every year i kind of bring out the spiel of i don't really watch full shows so i don't really care too much personally so i'll mostly let you guys decide this one uh last year uh progress chapter 45 won it which I'm going to be honest, I don't entirely remember what was on it now, um, but I imagine it was very it was good. The, it was the Manchester one, it was really good. Uh, it must have been if we voted for it, and the year before that we gave it to High Stakes. Um, I'll just throw out that uh, three shows that I really enjoyed, and then basically let you guys decide, because I'm not entirely passionate about this one, because I am a cherry picker. Um, I loved Uprising, I thought that was a, a brilliant show, top to bottom. Well, maybe not quite top to bottom, the first two matches are a bit slow but after that it was just banger after banger after banger uh, OTT Homecoming was a, an excellent show um, and another really consistently great one um, and then also World Tag Team League Night 1 um, with the David Starr versus Jörn Simmons hair versus hair main event I thought that was another um, one that I'd really put as, up as a contender but uh, other than that you guys go at it right where to start here um my favourite show of the year was WXW's uh, 16 Carat Night 2. Uh, that's the one with the big Ilya comeback, uh, the the triple threat with uh, Ilya, uh, Bad Bones, and Volta, which kind of came out of nowhere. And we, we all kind of thought that Ilya would probably be involved in some way, but not like he was. And it really was an incredibly memorable uh, night of wrestling. Uh, the undercard wasn't, uh, slack either. You had, uh, Bobby Guns, uh, Mike Bailey in that match where he, uh, taped his finger back. That, that was pretty sickening. And, uh, Tim Thatcher, Lucky Kid match that really put, uh, Lucky on the map as a singles wrestler. Um, so for me, that was the, the best card top to bottom. Another one that I would put into consideration would be Eve's, uh, Wrestle Queendom. Uh, at the time, it felt like a massively important show that uh, Eve had gone to York Hall and, well, they didn't sell it out, but they, they drew a really strong crowd and then they put on an, an outstanding show um, for uh, the biggest all-women's show in European history, I, I believe. Um, great main event with uh, Charlie Morgan and Sammy Jane, where Charlie dived off the balcony and... I could have got them banned. I don't know, but like they are coming back, so maybe they're buying that one out. Uh, Kaylee Ray and Mako Satomura in a match we've already mentioned. Uh, they had a ladder match on that show. They had war games on it. It was it was a great show. I really enjoyed it. Uh, there's a few others, but like, uh, what what else is uh, up for consideration here? Uh, I want to put forward uh, OTT WrestleRama two. 
which obviously had the incredible Walter Devlin main event. Um, it also had a really, really good Tomohiro Ishii Juice Robinson match, which probably wouldn't have been out of place in the G One. Um, there was also a Kushida Shane Strickland match, which again was really good. Uh, Tim Thatcher David Starr on the undercard as well, and a really fun Aussie Open versus Club Tropicana match, which only went about ten minutes, but was it told a really good story of um if. Aussie Open or Club Tropicana could survive ten minutes with Aussie Open. They had proved something, and then basically Aussie Open kind of destroyed them and left them lame. But it was really really good story on the night. Um, and then other than that, I have WXW Night One, uh, Tag League Night One, which obviously, like Rob said, is headlined by the uh, Hair versus Hair match, which was incredible to see live. Uh, a really good Okami and Lucha Brothers match, I think. Night one also had CCK and Ringkampf. Oh no, that was yeah, night I think sorry. sorry. Was it? I, I I can't remember. I haven't got the card in front of me. But uh, I remember really enjoying night one in particular of uh, Tag League as well. I'm in the difficult position, same as Rob, where I tend often not to watch whole shows. And when I do watch whole shows, I tend to watch them in chunks. Like I watch one or two matches and then watch another two matches later on that day or the next day. And I also rarely ever listen to the commentary on the shows and usually have Dean Martin or Nat King Cole on in the background. Um, so my appreciation of whole shows was it, it was very hard thinking of this one. Uh, the only one I could like genuinely make a case for, but I'm prepared to kind of take a back seat on this one, was Uprising. Because I thought it just had a really great stretch of matches. You had um, uh, El Fantasma, El Desperado, I thought was great. <clears throat> MK McKinnon against Mike Bailey was really fun. Walter against Kojima was great. Um, I really enjoyed the tag team title match. And then you finished off with Ishii against Star. And I just thought that card flowed really, really well. But I also acknowledge that I lose that flow because I rarely ever watch shows in one sitting because um, I've got the concentration span of a goldfish. So I'm prepared to kind of bow to other people's better judgment on that one. I Uprising was a very good show, but um, what what it uh, had in consistency, it kind of lacked a little bit in top end. I think for a, a show of the year, for me, you need to have at least one match in there that is in the match of the year discussion. And I really don't think there's anything on that show that's, that's a match of the year for me. I really enjoyed Star Issue, but I think I was probably the high man on that one. Um to, to, to just kind of loop back to uh, night one of World Tag Team League, that was the one with Ringkamp CCK. I've, I've, I've looked up the card. Uh, so, yeah, that does have that going for it, as well as the, the Luch Bros, Okami, Monster Consulting, JFK, Star, Simmons, and uh, Tony Storm, Maiko Satomura. So that's, uh, yeah. It was a good one. It was a good one. It is very good. It was my favourite night from Tag League. Uh... I, I just kind of lean towards that uh, night two of carrot for like a higher end of, of, of quality. I thought like I, the the Star Simmons match um, is good enough certainly to to merit like match the year discussion. But yeah, I just I kind of lean more towards uh, night two of carrot. Uh, I. I- I'm probably not going to fight you too much on this one. For me, it'd be Rama too, but 
I don't think any of you have probably watched the full card, so I'm not going to fight too much on this one. I, I watched like the second half of that show, and it is really, really good, but like I don't know what the, the first half was like. It's not great. <laughs> uh, anyone, um, anyone else but, think about Wrestle Queendom as a as a shout? I only watched KLR Satamura and the Charlie Morgan Sammy Jane matches. I, I didn't watch the rest of it, so again, I I don't feel justified in in saying yes or no, um, which is a shame because I really enjoyed that and I did mean to get to the rest of it and it just didn't happen. Uh, I think if if Eve had followed up and actually done something afterwards, because they haven't. They haven't had anything resembling a follow-up show, and they're not until June of this year. Uh, I think it would have felt more important because it kind of felt at the time that it was like Eve is is going to be a contender from now on. It's like they've shown that they can run a big show. Uh, they, they had some timing issues because it overran badly, and I think the balcony dive was pretty irresponsible of them to do. But at the same time, the show as a whole. Um, was really good. Um, I don't know if it came across as well on VOD as it did live, but it certainly, as soon as it, it had finished, I, like in my head, I was thinking this is going to be in the, the show of the year discussion. It feels like we might be heading towards somewhat of an impasse here and that we've all kind of got one in our mind um, and then none of them are kind of necessarily overlapping. So in terms of if everyone had to quickly like come up with a top three, we'll go through some shows and see which ones get the most yeses. Um, oh, I just want to say I did see, I just looked at the Queendom card. I did actually watch uh, Aja Kong against Viper as well. So I saw the final three matches, not just the final two. So I would say that was a good shout because I really enjoyed all three of them. So, so how many yeses would we have for, for Queendom? I, I'm a yes. Yeah. So we, I haven't seen the show, so I don't know. Uh. <laughs> I, I've seen like half of it, and like the, the I, I've only seen the hype matches, and I wasn't as high on them as a lot of people. So I probably lean no, but also feel slightly dirty having not seen the entire show. But if I've I've seen what's supposed to be the best, and I didn't completely love it, then uh, I'd probably lean no there. Um, in terms of whichever ones we talk about, uh, Homecoming didn't get too much talk. Uh, World Tag Team League Night 1, I'd go yes. Yeah, I'd vote for that. Yeah, I'd probably put that in the three. I've only okay, seen so Star that... Simmons, so that I, I'll just go with what you guys think, to be honest. Um, I wasn't super high on um, Carrot Night 2. Was anyone else? Lee, were you? No. No, I've watched most of the show and I'm not as super high on it. I mean, I get that it was a really great moment, the main event for people that were there. But on VOD, it, I don't know, it wasn't as special to me. So, But I, again, I don't, if if you and Aaron who were there want to vote for it, I, I understand as well. Uh, well, I don't. So that's uh, it's only <laughs> okay. it's only got the one vote. Um, I I felt that was pretty much a clear cut favourite, but well, not not with this cast, not with this cast. But, um, you can well let's see what let's see what Cage Match has to say. <laughs> and yeah, that's it is their highest rated show of the year by. Well, it's a shame they're not on the show then. Um... Well. They... <laughs> But, uh, you know, it, it was a good show. It was a good show, but, you know, I, 
yeah, I'm not sure it holds up quite as well to VOD, which is only a part of it, but it is a part. Um, uh, the other one that was mentioned strongly was Wrestle Rama. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other yeses? I'm I I don't think it would make my top three. I I'd lean more towards Homecoming as the the OTT show of the year personally. So it sounds like between Queendom and um, World Tag Team League Night One, uh, let's let's do a straight vote there and hope we don't get a two and two. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm voting World Tag Team League Lee. Uh, World Tag Team League yeah. On. I'm going to try and avoid causing problems and just vote for Tag Team League so we can move on. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, It was an excellent show, to be fair. It really was. For, for the sake of completion, Andrew... I've not watched either, so I was going to abstain anyway. <laughs> well, there, there we go then. Arn, your, your act of kindness would have had you outvoted either way. Um, so, World Tag Team League Night 2... Uh, night 1... Ooh, almost a, a late, oh, late swerve careful. there. Uh, Faux pas. Takes the win. Um, a, a happy time that was, was soon broken by night three. Um, moving on to tag team of the year. We have... Uh, last year it was won by Rainkamp, and that was the Axel Dieter Jr. and Volta edition. Uh, in prior years, the Sumerian we, Death... We had- yeah, we had a very big problem with the uh, the tag team last year because we all voted for different people and then argued for ages. Yeah, and there were we were all kind of like, they, they, there's good candidates but no no brilliant ones because there were lots of lots of teams that had teamed up for a few months and not many consistently throughout the whole year. Thankfully, we haven't really had that problem this year. We might still have arguments though, so we'll see. Um, yeah, uh, previous years uh, also been won by Sumerian Death Squad and Leaders of the New School, so we apparently loved acronym. Acronym, uh, easy for me to say. Acronyms. Um, for me this year, as I said, it's been a, it's been a strong year for tag teams. Um, and continuing the acronym trend, I think uh, CCK OG Edition definitely deserve a shout. Um, so that's Gresham and, and Brooks, I think. I've consistently enjoyed them whenever they've teamed up. Their one negative is probably that they maybe don't have the, the depth that um, some of these other teams have because, you know, Brooks has like a million different partners and varies who he teams with by promotion. But when they have teamed up, they've been very good. Um, Thatcher and Volta, um, a lot of their stuff was singles work, but consistently throughout the year and a lot of different promotions, they've had tag matches and they've pretty much all been really, really fucking good. So, you know, they've definitely got the high end on their side. Um, but the team I would probably be leaning towards most would be Aussie Open, um, simply because they're a consistent tag team throughout the whole year. Both of them, while both having some good single stuff, both of them primarily tag team wrestlers in that team, teamed up everywhere they went. Had great matches everywhere they went, um, and were involved in some really cool uh, growth storylines in Rev Pro especially. But um, you, you saw them um, get the tag and titles over in Progress. Um, you saw their their big chase towards the title in in Rev Pro. Um, they've done some stuff in OTT. Yeah, I, I just really enjoyed them throughout the whole year. I completely agree with all of that. <laughs> Yeah, I am. Um, I fully expect Aussie Open to be the winners here. Um, the Raptor were the other team I had written down for the again their first half of the year in OTT, 
But I mean, Aussie Open are the the standout candidates, really. Yeah, I, I had three written down. That was um, Ringkamp, Walter, and Timothy Thatcher because every time the team they're very good. Uh, I also wrote down Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. because I thought match for match in Rev Pro, they were very very good. But obviously their body of work was quite small. Um, but the the runaway one for me as well was Aussie Open. I just thought they worked everywhere and they were brilliant everywhere they went. So yeah, you get no complaints from me. I personally, I'd love to vote for uh, the CCK that was like Brooks and, and Gresham. Uh, I think they probably had my favourite tag team matches this year. And the three that we have mainly talked about, like CCK, Ring Kampf and, and Aussie Open, have all been having great matches with each other, uh, like all year long. Um, but the, the, the difference with Aussie Open is they have so much depth uh, to what they've done. So even though I would love to vote for CCK, my vote would probably go to Aussie Open as well. So that would be a pretty much a clean sweep. Yeah, it's one of those weird things where out of the three, if I was asked who is the best tag team, I might actually say Aussie Open with a third oh. match from match. But in terms of who's had the best year, I think it does have to be Aussie Open. And, you know, that's not a slight to Aussie Open at all. I just think the other two teams are absolutely magnificent. Like, the, yeah. these could be three of the best five teams in the world. Um, that's the depth we've had this year. It's been a good year for tag team wrestling. It has. After after mm. last year being a tricky one to vote for, this year it was we, we were spoiled. I think any of those three teams would have won last year quite comfortably. So congratulations to Aussie Open. Um, and now on to our final uh, of our Category C awards. This one's a little trickier. Um, because we have, um, and that's the the breakout candidate of the uh, breakout performer of the year, uh, and the cat the uh, what's the word? Not category. The criteria. Criteria. Thank you, Arn. Uh The criteria for this award is to have made the debut on a chapter show uh, in 2018, or at a York Hall show, or at a one of the big WXW tournaments, or at one of the ICW's big four shows of the year. Um, so it's basically someone who, prior to this show, uh, this uh, prior to 2018, wasn't necessarily in all the big spots, the best wrestler out of them, basically. Uh, and it's been a tricky one to go through because Progress has so many chapter shows these days that basically a lot of people get on them very quickly. Um, so a lot of people where you're like, oh, they've had a good breakout year. No, they showed up in 2017. Um, there are a few mm. people who, like, I think just missed out, um, like, uh, Millie McKenzie, I think only just missed out, El Fantasma. I think she was on unboxing or something, she was on right at the tail end of, of 2017, she was on a, a progress show. Yeah, I think both her and Drew Parker, like, missed out by a few days by being on unboxing. Uh, Lucky Kid would have qualified, uh... I know, sorry, Lucky Kid only missed out by being on World Tag Team League. So uh, we did have a bit of discussion over should we change the criteria, but it was a bit too last minute. So we may change that next year, but for, for this year, we're going to keep it consistent. Um, there are some solid candidates, although a lot of them in general, they feel like they're kind of one year too early, maybe. Because um, so, in the past, winners have been, I think the first year it was Mark Haskins, then Pete Dunne, then Jordan Devlin. So some real elite level talents. Some of the people we were initially bringing up in discussion were people like Raven Creed, 
for her amazing crowd connection that she's got in OTT. Uh, Julian Pace has had a very good year uh, and looks primed to have a great 2019 where he really could break out. But they don't really feel like they were quite right for that lineage of Haskins, Dunn, Devlin. Um, like it, it feels a bit too early for them. Uh, and then Lee brought to our attention someone who fits the criteria perfectly and you know, has had a Meltzer five-star match this year. So I'll, I'll leave the floor to you, Lee. Yeah, uh, just from doing a bit of searching on cage match, I came across that eight kids hadn't actually had a main show in progress or anywhere like like anywhere that fit the criteria. And he popped up in OTT on, I think it was a Haven, a Haven for Monsters was his first show. And yeah, I mean, to me, he... He's he's the the only one for it. I mean, like you said, Raven Creed had a really good year in OTT. Um, Julian Pace has that connection with the WXW audience as well. But I mean, A Kid, he's had a phenomenal, really second half of the year in Europe. The the match with Zack Saber Junior, which I'm sure is going to be on a couple of our match of the year lists. Um, he's had some really good matches in OTT that I've been there to see. Really good tag matches with uh, Carlos Romo. And he was actually on a contenders right at the beginning of the year as well. He had a singles match with Scotty Davis, which was really good. That was when I really took notice of who he was and kind of watched him throughout the year then with a kind of keener eye. But, I mean, obviously you guys will have seen a lot of him in the UK as well. Aaron, what have you seen of him? I've seen surprisingly little of him. Uh, I've seen him a couple of times since, uh, like, the new year. Um, but the first time I saw him live was at the cockpit. And he was tagging with Carlos Rimo against CCK, and it was the the version with Gresham. And the first oh, like ten minutes of that match is just him and Gresham on the map, and it was phenomenal. Like it was so good. Um, this guy, a kid, he's so talented. The it's very rare that somebody comes along with such uh focused mat skills because pretty much everyone uh on the indies now has that rounding so they've got to be good at striking they've got to be able to fly a bit they've got to be able to do the brawling it's all it's all of everything you know you need to do everything um so it's, it's really weird to see someone come through who's so good at mat wrestling and is is very focused on that it's not that he can't do the other things but like his main focus is the mat wrestling and he's he is incredible at it and I, I feel uh, honoured, really, to have seen him work up uh, up close and personal in the uh, the cockpit theatre because that's just like a great building to watch technical wrestling in. Yeah, I, I thought this category was fairly straightforward because I initially just wrote down Chris Ridgeway and just assumed that was right. And then when I heard, I saw you the <laughs> other day, Arm, saying that what a nightmare this was, I thought, I'll just check. I'm sure I'm fine. And then I saw that Ridgeway made his progress debut last November, like November 17, yep. <laughs> and uh, a series of expletives were... Uh, released um so yeah i had i had a short list of four but kind of it was raven creed or a kid for me and a kid was the, the standout one i just i think the zach saber junior match brought him mostly to my attention and then doing a bit of a rev pro catch-up i managed to watch some of his stuff in the cockpit and he's, he's just scarily talented especially given that he sort of got into wrestling by watching the likes of your will Ospreay and your, your mark andrews and stuff which is crazy to see people like that now come into prominence in the scene yeah it's like a new generation of guys coming through who've who've grown up on 
on the really good uh, British scene that we've we've been loving for the last like five years. So it's it's great to see uh, a, like a new generation of guys coming through, and it, he's not alone. But like to to see him come out of Spain and look, there's him and Carlos Romo uh, are putting so many hours, so much time into making the Spanish scene mean something, but also to get themselves better known. Uh, coming over to the UK, working hard. I I have a ton of respect for for A Kid and for Carlos Romo, uh, for what they're doing in wrestling. They're basically doing wrestling right. Like if you want to be successful as a professional wrestler, this is how you do it. Just got to put the work in. So congratulations to A Kid for for joining a, a pretty prestigious list of uh, Haskins, Dunn, and Devlin. That's uh, <laughs> we've had a pretty good hit right there. Um, to pat ourselves on the back a little bit, and that's uh, perhaps there's a little there's something about a kid and where he'll be in, you know, two years from now. Um, I'm sure it'll be somewhere very special. Right. So with the 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 category C awards out of the way, we move on to the big time where the the arguments really start. Um, so for these, we're going to be putting together a consensus top three for each award. We've got the European Wrestler of the Year, the Best in Europe Award, and the Promotion of the Year. Uh, we'll start with promotion of the year. So this is one that's had two winners in the past. I think the first year we did it, Rev Pro won it. Uh, then I wasn't on and Fight Club Pro run it because they had one good show at the end of the year and you were both buzzing Bullshit. off the live no, that, um, They were great that year. That year they were great. That was the year in the fiction. I will not have a word said in slander against that year in the fiction. It was the best. You only You only watched six months of their year. But it was six great months. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, for this one, I think in my mind there's four clear candidates that we're going to have to pull down into three. Uh, those being WXW Progress. Oh no, sorry, uh, I forgot to say uh, WXW won last year as well. Um, so the four clear candidates are WXW Progress, RevPro, and OTT. That not in any particular order. Uh, does anyone have any other promotion they think they would have in their top three that they want to put forward? I, I would like to mention that Fight Club Pro have had a terrible year. <laughs> so have ICW. <laughs> so, so that's a no. <laughs> does does um does it count as a terrible year for ICW if it's kind of just most of their years? No, because they've run so much less but the quality is somehow managed to diminish. Yeah, like the, the, the Shug's House Party, the fact there were two shows, and they were both just mind-numbingly dull. Like, they weren't a- actively bad. They were just boring. Um, oh, that's the worst. Yeah. I, I think Night 2 had the DCT Stevie Boy match, which was just horrible. It was like 15 minutes of just non-stop interference and Viper and Kaylee Ray. But the, the whole year was, like, just boring. There was very little to get excited about. Um yeah, so I would say it's actually probably worse than normal, which is saying something. <laughs> uh, I thought Attack was quite good, but I, I wouldn't put it in the, the top three. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair shout. I thought some of their stuff at the beginning of the year, especially with putting Wild Boar as a real focus, I think he had a, a Sabre match and an Osprey match that were both really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they were, yeah. But Definitely. if you ask me, like, what have they done that's been really good in the second half of the year? I'm not sure I could tell you off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, Attack's generally very good for what it is. That They nail their own, like, vibe. 
but it's it with me being grumpy it's not always 100% what my wrestling would be even though I can you know understand it's very good for what it tries to be and that's kind of a a tongue-in-cheek family-friendly pro wrestling like opposite of the the pure sports build that I fantasize over um that that sounded weirdly <laughs> erotic um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, let's, let's see if we can straight away immediately eliminate one. I, I doubt it. I imagine we'll get some, uh, some disagreement, but, uh, well, I'll go through those four and just say yes, if you, um, have them in your top three. So let's start with progress. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes things potentially easy. Um, WXW. Yes. 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 Yeah. That's, I think that was four yeses. Um, yeah. OTT. Yes. 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 And RPW. Yes. 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 RevPro. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was far easier than I expected. Uh, let's do a little bit of progress talk um, just so we can explain ourselves because apparently that top three is very easy. Um, when I was looking at things, I was going... You know what? Progress have a lot of great matches. They really did put on some great stuff. And overall, they had some good feuds. I thought in patches, although it didn't necessarily play out properly, um, the the Osprey Havoc stuff was really cool. I thought um, Volta's Atlas run was tremendous. Um, Volta winning the title was great. Um, overall, I thought the Wembley show was pretty good. Um, if a little perhaps lacking in big feel that you'd want from from it being at Wembley as we've mentioned earlier the the Andrews uh the Andrews Eddie Dennis, Dennis feud was really good right up until its conclusion where you know as always progress st- struggled with furniture they had some really good time outside of Europe I I thought they had a really good um oceanic tour although whether we actually count that is kind of up for debate um yeah they did a lot of good stuff but if I asked, did I really enjoy progress this year? I'm not sure I can fully say yes. And I think it comes down to they ran so many shows. And on all of them, almost all of them, they had something, some match where you could really go, yeah, that was really good. But then on the same show, you'd have, oh, that was eye rolly. And then you just have the general vibe of being so attached to NXT UK and the, the negatives that come with that. And... I think Joe brought it. Uh, Joe Lanza recently brought it up really well by saying, um, "You look at early progress shows; all the high points of them are now signed to NXT. Like everything that was really good towards the early part of progress, a lot of them progress can't use anymore. Some of them they can use, but they can only use because NXT says they can use them, and that's kind of hung over the promotion for the whole year." And that, that's why I kind of ended up, after going through all the positives, I was like, yeah, but I just don't enjoy them as much as the other three that, that we've talked about. Can I tell you a quick story, Rob? Go for it. So um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Rob uh, sends a message to the little Brit Rest Roundtable um, group discussion thing that we have going on, saying that uh, Voices of Wrestling uh, are only going to be carrying reviews of the, the bigger shows and that I didn't need to cover the... Uh, all of the progress chapter shows and Rob you might notice I didn't reply to that I didn't reply to it because I ran around the house cheering afterwards 
<laughs> because it had become such uh, a chore to sit through because I didn't want to watch the do not resuscitate angle happen. And I was just kind of relieved. And I was, I was talking to somebody else. Uh, I think it's Amanda Y. I was talking to her about, um, about progress and why it doesn't feel good anymore. And it's just that the focus is not on it. The prom- the promoters that run progress are so deeply involved with the WWE that their focus on their own promotion is just not there. And it just doesn't seem like they care that much. And I'm sure they'll, they'll say that they do. Um, I've had a lot of great discussions with uh, Jim Smallman about pro wrestling, and I'm sure he would sit there and go, oh, yeah, we love doing the, the progress shows. But that's not how they come across anymore. There are still good things about them. There's always like at least one really good match on every chapter show. And they've had probably two out of my top five matches this year. But um, I don't know. It's just not the same. And I think once you lose that aura, it's it's very hard to get it back. And it just feels like it's gone. It, I think hollow is a good word for it. It, it feels kind of empty and hollow. It, and like it it's not what it once was which was this cool growing independent british promotion when there hadn't really been one of them for a while that was really doing well and going from strength to strength and yet you look at it and you go it's still got a great roster but the majority of all the good parts of the roster are just nxt uk and I guess you can just watch it there. Like if if you want if you want WWE Junior, you can watch NXT UK or you can watch NXT or you can watch 205 Live or anything. You don't really have to go to Progress. It it's in a weird place and I hope it finds something like its own niche. I mean, maybe that's not the right word because it's got still drawing really well. It's doing well from like the I, I think that's the problem. The problem is they don't have to try that hard because it is still drawing really well. And the fans that they've got going to are very much fans that have come across from WWE. You look at the crowd and you look at the faces out there. I'm not seeing the same people that I saw when I first started going to Progress. Some of them are still there, but a lot of them have just given up and gone because they just don't rate it anymore. It's just not for them. And for me, for, for me, it just feels unimportant at the moment. And I think I think that's what it is. Like they can have all these great matches, and like you say, there probably is one, at least one match on every chapter show that is like a really good must see match. But then you watch it, and it just feels, uh, what what's the point in this match happening? I think the music hasn't helped as well. Them going to this unrecognizable music for all of the wrestlers just doesn't. I don't care about it. It's like yeah, I loved. I used to love getting that pop when someone would come out. It's like oh, here comes Jimmy Havoc to AFI, and it's like ah. Oh. Whereas like now Jimmy Havoc comes out to whatever the hell he comes out to, and I'm just I, eh, I'm just not bothered. Well, to me, there were just like the problems were manifold. There was the fact there were too many shows. It was very hard to keep up with it, especially when at the start of the year the booking was just trash. Um, and then you've got the whole the, the WWE connection and that's not a problem in and of itself but it's the fact they keep trying to go with the whole it's just three mates narrative and it's like well clearly not like you're in the back pocket of someone else who kind of tells you who you can and can't have and what you can and can't do and 
they can take talent from you. And and also the other problem for me was just Glenn Joseph. I could not deal with his commentary. And it was the fact that <laughs> me I couldn't watch shows with commentary on uh, because he was just annoying. It's, it's a shame because uh, the best commentator in British wrestling is Matt Richards. Yeah, I, I, I discovered this. I was watching a couple of matches today. Matt Richards is really good, and it's just unfortunate that Joseph just happens to be on all the time with him. They've uh, done it. They've done shows where it was Matt Richards and Callum Leslie, and it was just it, it's almost like a different experience. Yeah, I mean, not to get into match of the year too much, but like Walter Tim Thatcher, I can't rewatch it. I watched it once earlier in the year, and I can't rewatch it now because of Glenn Joseph's commentary on it. And like, I just the thing is, Glenn Joseph. When I started watching Progress, he wasn't that bad, and he's genuinely got worse to my mind, anyway. Um, and you can tell he's taken the like the WWE classes in coming out with phrases like sports entertainment and whatever. But yeah, I think it was very hard to care about progress. And I think oh, you hit the nail on the head. They don't seem to care. So why should I care? And for watching progress during the year, I just used your reviews on Voices of Wrestling. And when they stopped, I sort of stopped watching progress. Yeah, and I stopped because I was given the option. <laughs> and it was it was easy. It was an easy call. Oh, uh, you're making me feel real guilty. Because <laughs> when you first started volunteering, um, it was like... They, they, I think when you started, it was just getting towards the point where there was like one a month. Or one yeah, most I s- month. I started doing it uh, when Ollie just couldn't deal with it anymore. Like he just he wanted to change. So he went over to RevPro and I, I took on Progress. And at the time, I was like, oh, this is easy. Like, it's it's so easy. And now, every time a show dropped and I looked at the runtime, I'd be like, oh, God, can't they do shorter shows? I don't want to sit through a three-hour progress show. Yeah, it's it, it felt like a, a slog a lot of the time. And, you know, you were, you were someone who was a progress season ticket holder for... Was it just the one year, or was it two years? Two years, two years. I was there, and you know, so and I stopped going during committed. the second year. <laughs> but like, I, I can't imagine. Maybe out, maybe super strong style because that that you've got the whole weekend, uh, and in general, that does just have a, a different vibe to a lot of the rest of progress. But aside from that, like, are you? Can you imagine yourself being excited to go to a progress show in 2019, really? Uh, the show I'm really excited about is Kaiju Big Battle. So I'm going to Strong Star Weekend, but I'm really looking forward to going to Kaiju at the Dome. And that's like, that'll be the, the highlight and hanging around with uh, like Mort and whoever else is over from, from Europe for the shows. That, that'll be the highlights. I won't be that bothered about the shows. <laughs> I'm conscious that we've just spent like 10 minutes trashing progress in our best promotion of the year award, but, um, you know, it's an interesting, we need to, we need to say why it's not in there and why all of us have just turned around and said, well, no, it's not even in the top three. I kind of expected at least one of us to have it third or something, but no, that, that made it a lot easier than, than it was. So now we actually have the, the more difficult section, which is deciding between OTT, WXW and RevPro. So before we reveal our preferences, let's, let's kind of go through the, the positives and negatives of all of them. Um, let's start with OTT. So to my mind, big positive, second half of the year was magnificent. Um, pretty much as soon as Volta came along, they were firing on all cylinders. But first half of the year, 
it was good, but it didn't necessarily have that consistency. Up and down the card wasn't as strong, definitely. Um, that's improved a lot more recently. Um, their their focus on the women wasn't brilliant in the earlier portion of the year, but towards the end, they, they got a lot better. Um, towards the beginning of the year, you did have still very strong things, like um, the Kings of the North Rapture feud, but it was more few and far between. But the second half of the year, you know, we've given it feud of the year, but Volta Osprey, the way they managed to transition, uh, sorry, uh, Volta Devlin, the way they managed to transition between that to uh, Volta Osprey while still keeping the, the Volta Devlin bubbling was, was really strong. The way they managed to bring through um, a lot of the, the younger Irish wrestlers has been excellent. Um, that, that would kind of be my similar uh, summary. Do you guys have anything to add there? Um, I, I think Contenders is a big plus as well for OTT. I know we talked about it on the OTT show uh, Year in Review, but I think that's a massive plus for OTT, the fact that they have these kind of secondary shows for the fans to build up the rapport with the wrestlers. Um, I mean, the first half of the year also had Devlin in some really good main events. He had Zack Sabre Jr., Tim Thatcher. Um, I think he had an Angelico match as well. So yeah, I mean, like you're saying, the first half was kind of it wasn't as good, but I mean, that's not to say it wasn't good. Um, but it, I mean, it is all about the second half of the year. Once Walter came into the company and really took things up a notch, I mean, even from the commentary, seemed to just go up another level when Walter came in. Everything just stepped up. Yeah, for me, it was just a case that I think OTT made you want to watch the shows and really, really look forward to the shows and the matches were, that were on them up and down the card. And I think, as Lee was saying, the contender shows helps with that because you get to know more of the young Irish talent and you get to see the women develop and the likes of More Than Hype and uh, Scotty Davis. And it's great to see them on the main card. And just, I think the way OTT was booked as well, I think for me, it ticked all my boxes because it wasn't overrun with interference and angles it was just all about pure simple wrestling story talent and great matches so ott was just compelling i think from start to finish really i i really loved the kings of the north rapture stuff at the start and and then obviously yeah walter just kicked it into overdrive i think ott is learning a lot of important stuff about card structure as well um so they kind of have a nice flow to them uh angel Cruz is is really key to this they, they've used him really well as a uh, a buffer between more serious stuff with uh, the, the the tags he's had with Be Cool, the really long, elaborate uh, entrances. It's it's worked really well for me, and you need something to break up the cards. And one of the biggest complaints I had uh, about OTT, like a, what a year and a half ago, is that they just didn't have enough uh, domestic talent, and that they were constantly booking fly in versus fly in, and that's come down a lot. Uh, and it's it's mainly due to the the crop of youngsters they've had come through, uh, both in the women's division and the men, uh, that has really uh, given them a richness and a unique um, sense of Irishness to the the OTT cards. Which the crowd has always been great, but now it's everything feels like it's coming together. And they they are still a young company; they're only like four years old, and they are only going to get better. I think. Right, WXW now. Um, Strength-wise, I think the earlier portion of the year was excellent for them. Um, they really nailed a lot of the storyline beats. 
in terms of great matches and their overall roster, I think it's perhaps they've more depth there than there ever been. Um, it wasn't too long where WXW could kind of tune in twice a year for their, their two big tournaments. And aside from that, there wasn't too much great stuff. Um, you had the, the Volta Ilya feud uh, through a lot of the, the non-tournament shows that was really strong. You obviously had Absolute Andy, who we've talked about as a magnificent character and has gone from strength to strength this year, apart from being injured, obviously. Um, Lucky Kid's been a real real strength to see them bring up, and I think they've built him really well, um, or at least they did in 2018. It's maybe got a bit more bit more dodgy to very, towards the very end of 2018 into 2019, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that in the future, I guess. Um, the second half of the year, I think things did tail off a bit, um, and you know a lot of people would probably say it's in line with when CMJ had to take a step back and, and also when they started it's, getting it was pretty much WWE. it was pretty much during world tag league yeah it's the tournament that started amazingly strongly uh as we've given like night one our uh show of the year but night three is one of my least favorite shows of the year and a lot of that is on the booking not just the the quality of the matches it was very much a, a booking problem and the tone-deaf nature of their booking in the last three months of the year has been alarming, um, which is a, a huge contrast to how great they were before Tag League, like the first, what, nine months of the year? I, they were hands down my promotion of the year. I don't, I don't think anything else was really close. So, and yeah. I also think WXW were kind of unfortunate in that they seem to definitely be building towards this kind of Royce versus Royce kind of feud and then obviously Bad Bones leaving slash getting kicked out of the company definitely like kind of affected that. You can show how um, far ahead they book as well because the they still followed through that feud all the way to the end. So Yeah, and they're they're obviously still going with it now, like so And um, it, and what what is it doing now? It's just it doesn't make any sense anymore. It's just because no. Bones is gone, it's just the heart's gone out of the story and um, but I mean yeah I mean the first half of the year they obviously had everything going right and like you guys already said it did seem to just perfectly coincide with CMJ not being at Tag League and then progressively as the weekend went on things just seemed to get worse and worse and ever since then there just hasn't been the hype I mean shotgun ending is a major major factor for me Um that definitely seems to have affected the buzz on the timeline as well on Twitter. Like nobody seems to be talking about WXW in between shows. Um, uh, the people that are watching the kind of like back to the roots and things like this, um, there doesn't seem to be as many people, and the booking obviously isn't helping. I mean, the stuff with uh, Nick Hines, that's name. Yep. Yeah. It just it hasn't made any sense at all, really. Um, and like we won't get into whatever his own personal stuff and it just it, it's been a horrible end to the year i think for them yeah i think uh, i just yeah i i sort of i don't think i was as into wxw as the rest of you for kind of the first six seven months of the year um probably because of the crippling realization that i wouldn't be able to go to tag league as i'd wanted to um and then yeah it, like once i found out <clears throat> cmj had gone I really struggled to get into the the tagging stuff on the VOD, so I, I literally only watched our Simmons, and then, as Lee was saying, there's been so little buzz afterwards. I've I've not even really realised when the shows have been going on and stuff. So, 
yeah, I I'm like that included them for me because the first six seven months I enjoyed and it was more consistently good than anything else. Um, but yeah, it it really took a nosedive, and it's a real shame because they were in a great place. I think for WXW, it's very important to kind of try to keep in the mind that we are talking 2018 because as as they've kind of fell off a cliff towards the end of the year that's continued into 2019 so we do kind of need to try and at least separate that a little bit but obviously the the, the tail off did begin earlier i think another weakness you have to bring up is and it does seem kind of harsh because a lot of the time it's not their first language but the english commentary from rico um and uh what's the other guy andy is it Andy Jackson. It's really bad, let's be honest. Like, it's not good at all, is it? Like, whenever Alan's on, he's really good. Um, but maybe they're improving slightly, but it's it's not good, let's be honest. Silence. Everyone's going to let me... <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I didn't want to let say Let me Andy, take all the yeah, heat for I, that I, one, I, because people I, like I, fu- I fully agree with you, yeah. Um, even, even re-watching like, stuff from Tag League... When Alan's not there, it's noticeably different. But, you know, another positive, and, you know, we probably should have brought it up more for OTT, but in general, their crowds are really good. There's a lot of, um, like, World Tag League, Bobby Guns versus Ilya, I don't think that can happen anywhere else. That that environment, that atmosphere, that's been a real strength for them throughout the whole year. Yeah, I don't think WXW has just been, has been really, really good up until that point so we're not really going like a, a like a 50 50 split of uh you know first six bad uh, good second six bad i think it was more a case of first nine good and then it tailed off after night one no probably after night two of tag league so that's october so i would say that they had a a stronger run then we're probably giving them credit for that. Yeah, there's probably some recency bias there, which is why I kind of tried to stress the whole... Um, but, but you know, it's so... It's been so drastic that it is, you know, it is, is obviously at the front front of our minds. Uh, in terms of RevPro, I think they're another promotion that's had a very strong end to the year. They felt like they really put things together. Um for a long time, they I think they've always kind of struggled with the whole um, balance between the New Japan guys coming in and their own guys. They maybe they did a good job with Osprey, but other than that, it was kind of they either felt like almost different promotions, the shows with the New Japan guys and the shows without the New Japan guys, or they felt like the the UK guys that they were using were just like a tier below everyone else they're bringing in and it didn't necessarily bring the the right kind of atmosphere but they had a lot of great matches this year although i would say this year has been the year the first year in quite a while where they haven't had a real obvious match of the year contender where in previous years they quite consistently did and you kind of have yeah, to I think the, rely on my, them my favorite that. sorry rob my favorite red pro match all year was the uh summer sizzler uh, tag with Aussie Open and CCK, and I don't have that in my 10 for European Match of the Year, so literally nothing from Red Pro. And of the ones that I was thinking of, like for a short list, there was that and the other, the Sabre and Suzuki against Mustache Mountain at high stakes, and that, like, nothing else was really in consideration. 
which I nothing like that has happened before. They've always had like two or even three real strong shouts for the the top. On the positive side, though, I think this has been a year where they've made some real strides in terms of storytelling. Um, I, I keep bringing it up, but I really enjoyed the Aussie Open rise towards the title. A lot of it's very simple storytelling, but I think it's very effective. They've gone for quite a, a sport sports like build, which is you know it's it's what I I like most in wrestling. Um, in terms of storytelling, but uh, it's a lot of simple stuff. I think David Starr's been a real highlight there. Uh, he's made the cruiserweight section really, really important. Well, that Star Andy Quilden feud should have been mentioned for feud of the year. I think. Yeah. It's a shame we didn't mention it at the time, but yeah. Um, I think they've done a good job of really elevating a lot of people. I think um, they've done a good job with Ridgeway. I think they've done a very, very good job with El Fantasmo. Um, and in general, I think they've done a very good job of making the most out of the guys they do have and also um, hiding the weaknesses and emphasizing the strengths. Like little things like putting Lord Gideon Gray in a manager role with Great O'Khan has been, you know, that's a great, a great move. You know, it's it's not necessarily a, a, a million IQ move. It seems kind of obvious. You get a guy who can't necessarily talk, but is kind of a, going for the monster vibe, and you pair him with someone who's great at talking, but isn't necessarily great in the ring. And that act's been. It's amazing to say how how little I enjoyed Great Okan in the ring, but it's still somehow a, a highlight just of how good Gideon Gray's been uh, in that manager role. I think El Fantasmo, they've managed to like maximize everything out of him. I, I care about him more than I thought I would, definitely. Um, other guys like MK McKinnon, that I think they're doing a good job with and, and moving towards the top. Uh, I think they found, after a while, of when he first went to New Japan, when Osprey came back, it, it, there was a little bit of a disconnect. He felt like he wasn't necessarily fully part of the storylines. I think they've done a better job mixing him back in. Um, same with Sabre. So I think, in general, they've done a very good job of making the most of what they've got. But a lot of the earlier parts of the year, they they, they weren't doing a hell of a lot that was noteworthy. I think I think it's also important to factor in that a lot of Andy Q's plans have had to change consistently because he's had talent taken away. Or like people have gone to the WWE and then he, he's been left without guys to use or girls to use. So he's had to change lots of stuff. But like you, Rob, I... I the way our like RevPro tries to book and the kind of the sports style feel is what I like the most. The, the pure competition element is is what I go for. And I just I thought RevPro's output was consistent. Like there was not a show aside from the J Cup stuff. There wasn't really any RevPro stuff that I just didn't enjoy or found dull at any point during the year. The, the J Cup is based on the crowd. Yes. The place where they ran in, in Manchester was just a, a just a diabolical idea. Yeah, it was so flat. It's all of it. it was such a slow rare, rare misfire from them. But I thought I thought RevPro was fine. And and to be honest, I actually the RevPro commentary, whilst I don't like um, Andy Boy Simmons, I thought it was fine. Like I mean, I'd still prefer to listen to Dean Martin in the background whilst I'm watching it, but it was fine. Like it wasn't bad. Uh, whereas like the WXW English commentary aside when Allen's there is bad and the progress stuff is crap so yeah I thought Red Pro was fine I think he's done a very good job this year Andy Q of last year should I say of taking the hits from the uh, NXT UK signings and rebuilding 
and making the new guys that he's used not look like geeks. Uh, he's remember when he kind of had to pad cards out with guys like Jake McCluskey, and now it's like when he brings somebody in, it feels like they're a worthwhile signing, like the like uh, M.K. McKinnon being part of their uh, setup. And who else have they used a lot? Uh, I guess the, the use of Aussie Open has been really strong. Josh Bodum is like a constant for them. Ridgeway, uh, like I say, with Great Khan. Chris Brooks is a is a great guy for them to have around because they know he's not going anywhere. Um, Star's been terrific. They they really have done a good job of making the most of what they have access to. In terms of negative, I think they're another promotion where commentary has to be brought up. I think Andy Boy Simmons has got slightly better, but he's still bad. Quilden has been solid when he's been on, um, as has Kevin Kelly when they've had him. Um, but it's not, it's not been a strong point, definitely. It, it's one of those things where you watch enough Rev Pro and you kind of get used to it. But when you come back to it after a while, it is jarring to have uh, Andy doing his full um 1980s heel commentator routine is very eye-rolly especially with especially with the type of you know japanese-esque competition-based storylines that they're going for and then that's the commentary and it's like really really but you know it it, it, it's a a negative but it's not necessarily something that that ruins everything but it, it is a negative to take into account I, just because I think there's a chance it might make it easier. Usually we would go three, two, one, in third, second, first. But I think for this one, just from the vibe of people talking, I feel like we might all agree for first, and then it will be easier to decide second and third. Um, I'm thinking OTT. Is everyone else agreeing? Yep. I you know, I have WXW, but I I think I have more of a. Uh, a viewership bias there because I've seen more WXW than I have OTT. So I, I saw more of the, the top end of the stuff that they did. Uh, OTT is mainly because uh, their on-demand refuses to take my card payments. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I had WXW, but I can completely understand why everyone else has got OTT. I, I think there was no section of the year... And this is kind of what I, I value most in in um, promotion of the year, where I wasn't enjoying OTT. I, I enjoyed it throughout the whole year. Whereas, you know, as you said, with WXW, I probably enjoyed it 10 months out of the year, but that's still two months less. And maybe WXW peaked a little bit higher, but maybe not, because OTT had the, the Volta um, Devlin stuff. And that's as, you know, I enjoyed that as much as... I probably enjoyed anything in in uh, WXW, so uh, yeah, I that's why I'm leaning OTT. Yeah, I I, I just think they've been consistent throughout the whole year, um, right from the start, homecoming, which I mean, Rob, you mentioned for show of the year, right through until the end. Um, what was the last show of the year? I think it was Redemption was the last main show. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just been. An unbelievable year. I mean, if you had said to me like four years ago that in Ireland, like 40 minutes from where I live, there's going to be the European promotion of the year, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, But I mean, it's just been a phenomenal rise, like even from the highs of 2017 and having the books and Omega in for a show and 
like guys like Marty Skrull and uh, Matt Riddle being regulars on the shows, like they've just gone up another notch this year and it's it's just been a pleasure to be there for mostly. I think it's also to talk about how like important the commentary was for OTT as well. Angus McAnally is on another level when it comes to adding things to a match and just just being a, a great base for adding to everything OTT did throughout the year. Which other promotions don't have anyone really who hands a, holds a candle to, to him. See, I, I tend to try not watch too much back because like obviously I've been there for most of it. Um, but I mean, even when I have watched stuff back and Angus has improved so much from where they began and I think he'd he'd say that himself um, Don Marnell at one point as well seemed to just kind of be much more of a straight man than kind of the, the old kind of heel style commentator and yeah I mean any other stuff that I've heard this year I mean they were phenomenal on the call for Devlin Walter all throughout that stuff they were brilliant um, but yeah I mean even to see them they're getting them a shout out even there from Andrew like it's really good to see that the OTT commentary team has stepped up as well. OTT is the only UK promotion I watch with commentary other than ICW and I only watch ICW because I have to review it and Billy Kirkwood occasionally comes up with a horrendously bad line. But yeah, OTT is great. I love it. And it, it's all because of Lee because your recommendations got me into OTT and I've just kind of kicked on from there. So, big love. Mm. Hope Joe is Joe listening to that. So that leaves us, well, I guess that's OTT locked in at the number one slot. Sorry, Arn. Um, from the number two slot, how are we feeling between WXW and, and RevPro? I think I'm probably leaning WXW. I think it probably peaked higher and was probably better for a bit longer. Um, although maybe had a lower dip than RevPro had all year. I think RevPro has been very, very consistent. So it's, unless you go to one of their smaller shows, which is not good. So uh, I, well, you know what my feelings are on this one. <laughs> my my top pick's already not top. So <laughs> I had RevPro second and WXW third, but there's very little between them for me. So I'm kind of I'm I'm not I wouldn't object at all if you went WXW second, especially if that's the consensus opinion. Yeah, I, I had WXW second, but that's, again, more because I've seen a lot more WXW than RevPro, so. There we go. Um, we'll, we'll not upset on, and we'll, we'll lock WXW in second, and uh, RevPro takes the free spot. Um, right, um, on to our Wrestler of the Year awards. We, we always have two, um, with the distinction being slightly complicated, but hopefully we'll make sense of it. So the European Wrestler of the Year is simply the best wrestler who is European of that year, so it counts their work worldwide, and then our best in Europe is the best wrestler who did work within Europe, so only your work within Europe counts, but non-Europeans can also count, so usually they're not too much in contention, uh, but this year with Thatcher and uh, David Starr being around so much, there's a legitimate chance they could be in contention for that one. Uh, so let's start with with best in Europe award. Um, we'll I've asked everyone to come up with uh, their own top five, and I'm going to go through a bunch of names. Um, and basically, if they get two yays, they'll make it to the to the next stage, and then we'll we'll eliminate down from there. 
Um, let's see if I can bring up my own list, because I've got it hidden, hidden somewhere. Okay, uh, let's start with an obvious one. Volta, yay. 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 He's fruit. Um, David Starr, yay. 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 Mark Davis, yay. Yay. Zack Sabre Jr., yay. Yay. Jordan Devlin, yay. 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 Um, Ilya Dragunov. Yay. Oh, just the one. Really? <laughs> Does nobody else watch WXW? Uh, I do. I just don't like him as much as most people. Um, uh, let's let's throw out Tomohiro Ishii. No. Um, since Mark Davis made it, Carl Fletcher. No. Um, Timothy Thatcher. Yay. Just the one. Uh, Will Osprey. Yay. 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 No yay from me, which I'm sure will shock a lot of people. Um, is there anyone else? I'll, I'll move the uh, into the dock so you can all see the summer ceremony. Summary, easy for me to say. Um, anyone else you guys have in your list who I haven't listed yet? No? Okay. So we have it narrowed down to... Have I missed one there? Osprey, Devlin, ZSJ, Star... Oh, Mark Davis. So we're... Now, another thing we do with these is if anyone has their guy number one and they don't make it, they can bring them forward. So has that happened to anyone? No. No. Hasn't happened to me either. So, okay, we've got our six. So, previous winners of this award, because I forgot to say that. Uh, last year, Volta won it, uh, beating out Riddle and Osprey. Uh, and then before that, Trent Seven won it, and then Osprey the year before that. So, we've got six names, and we need to narrow it down to three. I think we can fairly safely throw Volta in the top three, right? We can all agree on yeah. that. And if there is any debate... Yeah. For, for later spots, we can do that later. So that leaves us with five for the remaining spots. Now, trying to remember back to who got less yays. I think Mark Davis only got two yays. So that was me and... Me, but I, I only select them because I literally couldn't think of anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll put his case forward, um, but it sounds like he's, he's going to go. Um, for me, he is quite obviously the better path of Aussie Open, who are our tag team of the year. Um, I think his work with his singles match with Volta is one of my favourite matches of the entire year, which we'll get to in a minute in uh, match of the year. I thought that his him managing to fight from beneath while being as big as he is, while still not like betraying his. His regular, um, you know, he still f felt like he was wrestling to his size while also managing to fight from beneath in that match. I thought that was a magnificent performance. Um, I can't think of a single match all year where I've seen him and not have a not have a great performance in. Um, I've never gone, yeah, you could have been better there. Um, in terms of really high end matches, other than the Volta match. I'm looking at um, 
no, I've just go I've just searched for Volta there instead of Davis. One sec. Um, I think his tag team matches against uh, Brooks and Gresham from Summer Sizzler, uh, Jeff Cobb and Matt Riddle from Epic Encounter, the Hunter Brothers from the Cockpit. I, but to be fair, it's pretty much all tag team work apart from the the singles match with Davis, uh, so singles match with Volta. So I can completely understand if you guys uh, want to take him out of contention. I would say on the singles front, he had a good match with Walter in Defiant as well. Like it's not on the same level as the Progress one, but and you have to obviously factor in that the Defiant crowd aren't very good. But that I I enjoyed that one as well. It was sort of in the sort of four star, three and a half four star range. So yeah, he wasn't he wasn't in my top five, but he only just missed out. So okay, uh, a valiant effort, but I think we're happy to to cut him for for the sake of time. Um, so that brings us down to five. Who else was a definite top three? I think Devlin got a yay from all of us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So do we want to put him in the top three? I think that's yeah. fair. He wasn't actually in my top three. I had him at number five, but I'm quite happy to have him forward. It was all pretty close. I didn't say yay to Osprey, but I think everyone else did. I wasn't... like. I, Will Ospreay is my second favourite wrestler. He's my favourite European wrestler. Um, I love him. I I think he has magnificent matches, and his hit rate is perhaps higher than than anyone else here, apart from maybe Volta, because Volta kind of just has the Volta match, and it's always brilliant. Um, but I just don't think he did enough in, in Europe this year. I think a lot of his best stuff was in Japan or Australia or even the States. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I put him fifth over Dragunov last minute um, because I thought his work in Europe was good, but it was often quite like sporadic. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought Osprey was fine, but yeah, I think he's probably more suited to the, the other category that, that we'll get to later for me. Uh, I ha- I had Osprey fourth on my lists. He also is in two of my top ten matches of the year, so I think he's had a really good year in Europe. Um, but again, I I'd have Star ahead of him, so I- I'm not going to make much of an argument for Osprey to get into the top three. Really, uh, I had Osprey at five on my list. So yeah, a- again, it's like he's been better in New Japan. He has had some really good matches in Europe, but. Um, yeah, just not that many, really. Like, there was the Devlin one, I guess, uh, in progress. Uh, the Volta match. Mm-hmm. I, like, I'm really struggling to remember good matches that he's had in the Europe. Riddle yeah, one the Riddle one at Scrap Mania. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was fair. And also, at the start of the year, he had like some really good matches with uh, the likes of like, Wild Boar, Dick Riley, and uh, Paris and Chaos. Uh, that was a really good match. He also, but yeah, the, the the first Walter match uh, defiant as well was quite good. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I didn't think that was as good as um, OTT. Definitely not, but it was still but... like a good a good match. But yeah, but yeah, to be honest, in terms of like what Osprey has done in the past, like it's it's very much a down year for him in Europe. But you know, whereas understandable given he's wrestling yeah, all over but the in... world. But in Japan, he's been terrific. So it's 
Yeah, I can see why he wouldn't be that high, and I'd put him at five on my list, so... Okay, so let, let's cut him. Um, so that leaves a choice between Zack Sabre Jr. and David Starr. So, uh, Lee, David Starr's your favourite wrestler, right? He's definitely one of them. Uh, <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave the case for him to be made by you, then. Yeah, uh, I think his work in... Again, I'll go back to his work in OTT first. Since the summer, his uh, alliance with Jordan and his role in the in the Walter Devlin story has it was like subtle at first, and then the turn on Jordan was just played magnificently. Um, his stuff in WXW, the story with Yorn all throughout the year from Tag League last year, right through to Tag League this year, was just a great, great story. Um. The matches were really good, obviously. His stuff in Rev Pro, which I've only kind of dipped into a little bit here and there. Again, playing a different role, playing the, the dickhead heel, which he plays so phenomenally well. Um, For me, he's probably the best heel in wrestling at the moment. Like, pure heel that nobody wants to cheer for. I think he does it better than anyone else. And I just think he's had a phenomenal year in Europe, really. And yeah, he's probably he's not my number one. Which just goes to show how strong the other two people I have ahead of him are. I'll make a case for Zach. Go for it. So, uh, Sabre, it's very easy to forget what he does in Europe because what he has done in Japan this year has been so like staggeringly good. Um, but here's, here's a few reminders for you. Uh, the progress matches he's had this year have been incredibly high-end. Like, everything that he's done in progress has been great. The strong style, he basically carried the entire tournament on his back because Tyler Bate got injured and it just kind of ruined what they were planning. Uh, then he came back and had that match with Volta in October, which I thought was absolutely breathtaking. Just a masterful uh, work of art. Uh, he's pretty much uh, carried uh, the Rev Prime main event scene on his back as well. Uh, with all the, the main events he's had with uh, Minoru Suzuki. Um, and in WXW, he's had a couple of standout singles matches. Uh, i trying to think who with now. Uh, Lucky Kid had a great singles match with uh, him. Volta. Uh, yeah, Volta again. Uh, he had a great match with Star as well. And he had the match with A-Kid in... White Wolf, which uh, got five stars off Meltzer. It's a pretty good year, I'd say. And he's done some good stuff in OCT too. He's uh, a tremendously rounded year. Oh yeah, and he had, he had that great match with uh, with Jordan Devlin as well in OTT. And so, Travis yeah, it's Banks. been a great year for him. Yes. <laughs> he's had a really, really good year. He's been everywhere Just it... and had great stuff everywhere. It's very impressive. Oh. Yeah, so I would definitely have Sabre ahead of Star. I completely understand... Um, the love for star uh because he has had a great year as a heel um but he's been doing it in kind of mid-cardery positions whereas saber's been carrying shows some shows have depended entirely upon how good his match was and he's killed it whereas star i think you mentioned the yearn feud i i didn't like any of the yearn matches until the last one and the last one that was obviously great but the standard of of the storytelling from where the turn kicked in to where the, the feud paid off 
it's like the builds, uh, the matches that they had before were just really uneven and, and I didn't like them. Um, so, yeah. I, like I said, I, I see what uh, people like in Star, but I don't. I didn't have him on my five and he might have just about snuck in ahead of Osprey now that I think about it. But obviously Osprey is, is high-end is higher. I don't think Star has had that many matches of a, a high caliber. Yeah, I, I also I, I I hadn't got Saber in my list, but I, I think that's more of an oversight for me. Looking at the the kind of match of the year shortlist I've got, there are so many times Zach's on there. The progress match you mentioned on I thought was probably the best match I've seen those two have. Uh, the White Wolf match was great. Uh, the well, the triple triple W match was great. Um, I also I think I'm probably the high man, but I loved his tag team in Rev Pro with Minoru Suzuki. Uh, I yeah. thought their match with Mustache Mountain at high stakes was really good. I thought they were really good at the the Strong Style of Old shows. Um, and I also, yeah, I love their match with Aussie Open as well. That's in my top 10. So in in many ways, I've been convinced by your argument for Zach because I think he's had a lot more high-end stuff than, than Star has, even though I feel like Star's felt a lot more present and visible. That's probably because... I don't know. I don't know. Somehow he feels more visible, but that's because he does more of the the promos and the charactery stuff. At least more visible. Yeah. Well, there's that, and Saber has spent a lot of time in New Japan this year, whereas Star has been very focused on Europe. So it's he's been on a lot more shows. He's he's kind of had a lot more to do. But when Zach has turned up, it's felt like an an event. I um, I'm I'm slightly worried we may have push Devlin forward too quickly I just want to check with everyone would would Devlin have uh, out of these three would anyone have Devlin the lowest of the three I would am I the only one mm, yeah. uh, yes. I'm actually yeah. not sure what <laughs> okay so Dev- Devlin's definitely through so it is a, a straight shot between these two um, I'm leaning star I think I th- it sounds like I'm just higher on a lot of his work than you are um, because I think he does have a lot of the high end matches Um I would probably uh, you know, just quickly check my match of the year stuff. Uh, yeah, he has my European match of the year with with Simmons, and that's obviously a big a, a big tick in his box. I also loved his issue match, which I know you weren't as high on. Um, it was good, but I just I didn't think it was that good. And for for Star, like I generally find that his work is very strong. But for 2018, I actually thought like his his high end stuff wasn't as good as it was the year before. So he's he's had a couple of really good matches with Volta. And he had that Yearn match at Tag League, and then I'm struggling to think of something. He had that awesome in singles. At the, awesome. There's tag the tag with, with yeah, yeah. Ringkampf where he's tagged with Ilya. But um, apart from that, I'll, uh... I'm not seeing it. I'll I'll bring up my star list see if I can bring anything up. I really love the um the the carrot final. Um, don't know what you thought on that one. I can't remember your thoughts. Uh, it was it was fine. Uh, he then had that four way um in London for WXW for the just after carrot. He had multiple matches with Volta at um Defiant and Fight Club Pro. 
which I thought were really good. I really, really love, and I think I might be the high man in the world for this one, but I love the tag match with Devlin against Volta and Loki. Um, that's one of my favourite matches all year. Almost made my top ten for the entire year. Um, the, the Thatcher singles match on the undercard of Ram as well was yeah. really good. Um, I think... It, let's let's just vote and see if see if we're tied and then we might have to do some some uh, bargaining. But uh, I I would lean towards Star out of the two of them. Obviously, obviously I'm a Star vote. I'm clearly Saber, but <laughs> I'm gonna be a twat and go for Saber as well. Oh, good man! I was sold. I was sold because I looked at the list and I I've got a, a short list of seventeen and Zach's name's down there six times and David Star's on there twice. Yeah, I think that's um, what sold it for me. It's third place at the end of the day. Who's, who's who cares? Well, um, <laughs> d- just to check, no one has any in the number one spot. Any of these guys in the number one spot, right? No, no. Okay. Uh, does anyone have any in the number two spot? I have star number two for me. Oh, t- Saber's my two. Well, that's a tie. Um, I have <laughs> I, I have star three. I had star three initially, but would have put said those three. But you've bumped Saber up. Uh, okay, how many initial yays for top five did Star get? Was it just three? I think it was three, and I think Zach had three as well. Yeah. Who went no for Zach? Me, but I think it was an oversight from me. Okay, let, let's put Zach in then, because it sounds like he's got support from all four of us for, for at least top five. Uh, so he just edges out uh, David Starr, but that's a, a close one. Um, can we say Devlin ahead of Sabre? I would, I would lean Sabre, but it sounds like most people would lean Devlin. I'd have Devlin I ahead. I would have yeah. had Devlin ahead as well. It's close. To be fair, I think that's probably the the one, two, three, though. Okay, so we've gone quite long, so we won't go super deep into Devlin. If you want to hear us gush about Devlin, go and listen to the OTT year and review episode. And then we have Volta, number one. I think that's all fairly unanimous. Yeah. Did everyone just have Volta as number one on their list? Yeah. Not even yeah. close. Yeah. <laughs> like I have a point system, and um, I'll, I'll I'll read out the, the the points different people had for this category. Um, Volta was on 138 points. David Starr was on 82 points. Mark Davis was on 46 points. Zach Sable was on 41 points. Devlin was on 36. He wasn't even close for a second, and. So yeah, that's uh, it's a wild one. We'll we'll go more in depth on Volta on the next award because otherwise we'll just be repeating ourselves. So on to European Wrestler of the Year. So it's the best wrestler who is European, including their work from worldwide. We'll we'll do the same system where we do the yays and the nays. Um, let me bring up my list. Okay, so Volta, yay. 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 Will Ospreay. Yay. 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 Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Yay. 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 Um, I'm guessing Jordan Devlin. Yay. 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 Um, I had Tyler Bate. Yay. Yay. We had the same top five. <laughs> I didn't have uh, Devlin. Oh, didn't you? Oh, okay. I had Mark Davis, but I think I'm going to be the only one there. 
Uh, is there anyone else who hasn't been mentioned? Pete Dunn. I think you're probably on your own there. Yeah. I have Trent instead of Tyler. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think they're just just single ones. They're yeah. they're, they're they're guys who in probably in past years would have made the top five, but uh, I I think the resume is not quite there. Um, I think if anything, Mustache Mountain looked like they could potentially be set up for a better year this year than than last year, simply because um, NXT UK is probably going to be firing a bit more. Whereas throughout a lot of this year, they were kind of like. It felt like they were just waiting for NXT to come along, and in a lot of their indie dates, which made up the predominant portion of their year, they weren't doing a whole lot. Um, but of course, you, had, you did have the the big NXT matches for kind of all three of them, really. Um, but yeah, so we got the the top five of Volta, Osprey, Saber, Devlin, and Bait. Um, we happy to lock in Volta for the top three again. Yeah, that will save yeah. time. Um, I looking at the rest of the people I would be happy to lock in Will Ospreay if other people were happy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that leaves again three people for one spot. We've got Saber and Devlin. That was a fairly close discussion before we brought in Saber's work from the rest of the world. So do we want to put Saber ahead of Devlin? Yeah. Lazy anyone's yeah, going to argue this, right? <laughs> I'd have Jordan as, you know, uh, second or third, but I'm not going to argue, which is, I mean, we've gone over everything with Zach already, so... And then we're just I adding more in, yeah. On this one. Yeah, so, I I wouldn't, I'm not going to argue with Zach being in top three. And then Tyler is a clear fifth, so I think we can get rid of him, right? Yeah. 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 Okay, so we have our top three. Will Ospreay... Volta and Zack Sabre Jr. And I think this is going to be a little tighter, a little harder discussion this time. Um, because when you factor in their worldwide stuff, they do all come fairly close in my mind. Um, I, I've been talking a lot already, so let, I'll let someone else make the expanded cases for these guys. Uh, I've already made a, a very long-winded case for Zack uh, based on his European work, but he's also been outstanding in New Japan this year. Uh, you go back to the New Japan Cup, uh, where he he basically just killed it. He killed the entire thing. He beat like Naito, uh, Ibushi, Sonata, uh, Tanahashi, all like four great matches there. Uh, had a, a wonderful match with uh, uh, Okada at uh, I would say Sakura Genesis. Yeah, yeah that was terrific. Uh, right back at the start of the year, I completely forgot about this. He was still in Evolve. And he had a couple of really great matches with uh, like Darby Allen and uh, Volta. Going back that far, he's, he was good in Rev Pro, obviously. Um, and the summer uh, was in G1. Had a lot of great top-end stuff in, in there. I thought his match with Toru Yano was absolutely magnificent. If nobody, if people listed this haven't seen it, just, just go and check that out. And also, he had uh, a little bit of work outside of New Japan, so PWG a little bit, and ROH as well. So, yeah, basically he was everywhere and he was great everywhere. Anyone want to make the case for Osprey? <laughs> uh, sure, I'll, I'll go Osprey and then I'll leave Volta to someone else because that's maybe the biggest case to make. Uh, definitely the biggest man. Um, 
overall, I think this is just a very hard discussion because me personally, I have all three of these guys in my top five guys worldwide. That's how blessed we are with with talent in Europe this 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 year, even if it hasn't always been here. Um, we talked a lot about how great Osprey is, but he hasn't necessarily had his top matches in Europe this year. He's done some really great stuff in Japan. Um, slowly moving up to, to heavyweight. Oh, I guess that's that's more 2019, I guess. But uh, he's, do, he's done very well in Japan yet again. But I think something that really adds to his case is his work he's done over in Australia. And I know that's not something all of you will have watched. But he's been excellent over there. He's had matches with Slex. He's had matches with... Um, Robbie Eagles. Robbie Eagles yeah. was the guy I was looking for, but um, he had something with ca- uh, four way with Caveman, Ugg, and I think Robbie Eagles and Mick Morietti or something that was really good as well. And, and just he's got a real presence over there. And Wasn't like, there a match it, with it does Elliot come Sexton across as, as well. I don't think so. I think that that, that, that was that was Travis Banks for yeah, Progress, I believe. I so. Yeah, if right. we're thinking of the same thing. Because he's not over in Australia a lot, because he's living in Florida currently. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, his his depth of work worldwide. Because oh, even over in the US, I think he's had some some great matches. I, I love that uh, Jay Lethal ROH match, which is saying something because it's Jay Lethal and it's ROH. Yeah, he's like we talked about how Zach has gone everywhere in Europe and had great matches. Osprey's literally gone to most continents in the world and had great matches. Um, and that that's a real strength for him. Uh, I, th- I think I'll take the Walter case, and will I? Um, I I think Walter's twenty eighteen will probably go down as one of the great years for any wrestler in the history of wrestling. Um, he has had great match of the year caliber matches wherever he's been. Um, I personally haven't seen the PWG stuff, so I won't talk too much on that. But I mean OTT. He's had so many high-end matches. WXW, he's had so much. I mean, Aaron mentioned the uh, night one or the night two of Carrot uh, being a ma- ma- major moment of the year. Um, his feud with or his matches with Ilya then following up after that. Um, his stuff in progress. The Tyler match at Wembley was a really great main event. Um, his progress or his Atlas. Uh, title defenses in the early part of the year the match with Thatcher Davis his uh, even winning the belt off Banks was a really good match um, he also dabbled a little bit in Rev Pro I mean the matches weren't great but it was unique to see Walter taking on some New Japan talent I just think it's gonna it, it's been an all time year and I don't think anyone really comes close to it like he, just for consistency as well I think it's just the sheer number of promotions that he's done it in as well. I mean, I talk about how good Zach's been, but Zach's been in like four promotions doing that. Whereas Volta, mm-hmm. it's like, he's just everywhere. Everywhere. It's literally everywhere. Like it's PWG, he's been in Evolve, WXW, Progress. Uh, he was in, over in Game Changer for the, the match with PCO, Mania Weekend. Uh, he had a, a, a legitimate like uh, four-star plus match with Brody King, who I don't right at all mm-hmm. yeah um it's astonishing the year that he's had really uh it's it's hard to choose between these three wrestlers because they've all been so good i i would lean towards walter as well i think the evolve stuff 
often kind of got overlooked for him, but he started the year against Zach. And then there was the match from Mania weekend against, uh, with Timothy Thatcher against Sakamoto and Sawa. Um, he also had a brilliant match with Darby Allen and Evolve, which was one of my favorite matches of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, the PWG stuff I thought was quite good. Like Arn, he got a good match out of Brody King, which I think is quite difficult to do. Um, <laughs> he had a really fun match with Sammy Guevara as well, who's, who's a guy I struggle to get into a lot of the time. Um, and I just think his body of work in Europe was so strong and, I thought that the character and the presentation just, he was the most compelling person for me to watch anywhere in the world for the whole year. Um, I I didn't look forward to watching. I mean, I look forward to watching ZSJ matches and look forward to watching Osprey matches, but a Walter match would genuinely motivate me like nothing else. So for me, he, he likely said it's an all time year for him and I couldn't, I couldn't look past him to be honest. When I was trying to assemble my uh, top 10 for match of the year, I had to take some of the matches out of the top 10 because they were too samey. So I had like the same combination of guys and I wanted to mix it up a bit. So I picked the better match of the two. Um, before I did that, Volta was in seven of my top 10 matches. Yeah, his, he's just had an undeniable year. It's, it's amazing how many matches we've probably all watched Volta in every this over 2018 we've probably all seen him a bunch and yet every single time it still feels special it's amazing how he's managed to do that you look at him and you look at his portfolio of work in 2018 even if it was just his you know i use just an inverted commas but just his european body of work that would be a really strong case and i could legitimately see an argument for even if you only factored in volta's uh european work that he could still be better than Osprey and Sabre. And that's that's with it being said that Osprey and Sabre have magnificent years. I think when you add in the US work, the work in PWG, the work in Evolve, you know, the, even stuff like um, the PCO match from Game Changer at Mania Weekend, that sort of thing. Like, I think, I think we're all probably in agreement Volta's number one, even though... Sabre and Osprey have had magnificent years. They're just not quite as close. Would everyone else agree? Yeah. 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 I think this is a lot harder to decide than the Best in Europe yeah. award, which I felt was Volta won that by a long, long way. This was a lot closer because of how good Osprey and Sabre have both been um, in New Japan. But Volta has been equally as good and he's done it without having that big stage to do it on. Like, if Volta had gone to New Japan, can you imagine how good his year would have been? Whew. <laughs> um, uh, in interest of time, we'll just do a straight-up vote. Osprey or Sabre? I'm leaning Osprey. Osprey. Uh, I'd probably lead Zach, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I kind of... Th- uh, you know, I'm just going to go with Osprey for the interest of time. <laughs> let's, let's, move it, let's move it along. Very, very benevolent. Um, and now we have our match of the year. We will be. I've asked everyone to put together a, a top ten, uh, and this could be one where it lasts quite a while. Past winners were Osprey versus Sidal in the first year we did it, then Hero versus Shibata, and then last year, much to my chagrin, Dragonov versus Volta. Um, this year, who will join them? Let's find out. Um, I'm going to read through a bunch of matches that have received a lot of hype over the year. Um, 
two yays and they'll be preliminarily in. Uh, Jern Simmons versus David Starr. Yay. 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 Uh, Mark Davis versus Volta. Yay. 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 Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Volta from Progress 77. Yay. Yay. Heathens. <laughs> it's it's still there. It's still there. Got a yay from me, but you know it was a surprising lack of support. Um, Issue versus Star from Uprising. Yay. Nope, doesn't make it. Oh, yay. Was that a second yay? Yeah, I, I have. Yeah, I okay. have it. Yeah. Um, Dragon Oven Star versus Ring Camp from WXW 